Entrepreneur Weekly interviews the brilliant leaders of today in order to provide a stepping stone of wisdom on the journey to personal business ownership. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. You know, on my journey of life, I, my dad is British, so I, I always knew I had to dress for success because I watched my dad wear a tie his whole life. He's 93 years old now. And uh, I think he's finally given up ties, but uh, dress for success is one of the big things. Well, when I didn't have a lot of money, I will tell you that uh, I went to Goodwill and I got some great clothes. So today I have a special guest. He is the president and CEO of Goodwill Industries, and his name is Steve Preston. Welcome to the show, Steve. I got a great story for you. Thanks for having me. I look forward to hearing it. Well, I'll tell you, once upon a time, I was asked to be on television, and I had gone to New York, and I did not have a suit or a tie. I was there for other business, and they said, do you want to be on ABC with uh, Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest? And I'm like, yeah. And they said, all right, well, you know, you bring some good clothes with you? I said, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, so, uh, of course, you know, in New York City, you've got some Goodwills. I went to uh, Goodwill and I bought a really nice suit and I bought a, a, a nice shirt and a tie. And I think I spent like $35 on the whole entire outfit. And I was on ABC in front of 6 million people. But that's not even the best part. Two years later... I knew I was going to be on, and I was driving through Palm Springs, California, and I got to an appointment about an hour early because there was light traffic. You know how California traffic is. So I, I pulled in, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go to the Goodwill. They're open. So I went to the Goodwill, and I found a beautiful Armani jacket, and it was $24.95, which $24.95 for a $1,000 Armani you know, jacket. It didn't have the pants, but it was a beautiful black Armani jacket. So I was happy to buy it. I got up to the counter, and right then, it was Thursday, and in the, in the, a, a voice announcer come over the line and says, uh, good morning, Goodwill shoppers. On Thursday, all orange tags are just a dollar. And I looked down. And it was orange. And I looked up to the guy and I was about to pay and I go, it's a dollar. It's a dollar. <laughs> and I wore that on television. Also. <laughs> so that's a great story. Well, that's why they call our category of retail treasure hunting. Yes. Because you can find treasure when you come in. I yeah. love it. I love it. That's well, a great story. Um, also, there's happens to be, and I shouldn't tell the world about this, but on um, Santa Monica Boulevard and Fifth, you guys have a goodwill that has a boutique upstairs. And because, of course, you know, it's right there in Beverly Hills, you might say. And, oh, my gosh, I have got some fantastic, you know, Ferragamo shoes for 20 bucks. I mean, it's like $20 for a pair of shoes, you think, in a thrift store is a lot. But these were like $250 shoes. So, anyway. All right. Enough of my Goodwill story. Now, I know you guys want to talk about what Goodwill is doing to help workers during this pandemic and time. Thanks for being on with us, and thanks for doing what you guys do. But let's talk about it. This pandemic is affecting everybody. It is, you know, and there are 21 million people without work right now. And many of the people who don't have work are people in lower income brackets, people with lower levels of education. So it's really hard for people to bounce back right now. And what many people don't realize is Goodwill's entire mission is to help people prepare for employment and find jobs or better jobs. And so many people are coming through our doors right now. And in some cases, they're ready to get a job right away, in which case we work to connect them with local employers to find the right opportunity. But in other cases, they need to get more training and other kinds of support because maybe they're looking for a different kind of role 
or they need a different type of skill to be able to get a job that's available. Hmm. Well, let me do this. Let me take a little break. We'll come back and we'll talk about what types of programs you guys currently have available for those who are unemployed, because here's an opportunity. Entrepreneur Magazine, Entrepreneur Weekly, rising to the occasion to help you maybe out there listening to find a job having a love goodwill. Oh my gosh. I have stories. I can tell. It's been a whole hour on my stories. This is Entrepreneur Weekly. Fold them like they do in Texas, please. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. I love it. Love game and do Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Steve Preston, the president and CEO of Goodwill Industries, joining us right now. And they have some programs available for people that are unemployed. If you're thinking about getting a job, maybe you think Goodwill. Uh, internationalgoodwill.org is their website. Internationalgoodwill.org. Steve, what kind of programs are currently available? So we have a number of programs, goodwill.org, and uh, we have programs that provide all sorts of training levels. So sometimes, you know, we have programs in digital and computer training, which is very important now, even for jobs that are not technical. People generally need to know their way around a computer, so digital training is critical. In some cases, we have programs for very specific industries, so healthcare or retail, uh, uh, construction. And then also we have programs that provide support for general job readiness skills. A lot of times you just need to understand how to communicate more effectively or present yourself in the workplace a little bit uh, more effectively. So we have a whole spectrum of skills there. In addition, we help with resume writing and, and interviewing so that they can put their best foot forward in the interview process. And then ultimately, we connect people with local jobs so that we can make sure that people have a high likelihood of actually landing a job, either through job fairs or one-on-one relationships or online support. That's good stuff. I see that you, at some point, were CFO of Waste Management and Service Master, so you're a service-oriented guy. I believe that you are, at heart, an entrepreneur, and sometimes, as you know, you have to be an entrepreneur on the inside, an intrapreneur, and um, and I have to imagine you've gotten to this role doing that because this is a big deal. Now, I said international goodwill, but you said goodwill.org. So 
international. I don't know about international goodwill. Maybe you could take a second and talk about the the size of this organization. Yeah, we do have some international presences. We, yeah, you know, we're in Korea and in a number of other countries. But in North America, we have 3,300 locations. We have over 600 career development centers. So if you live in the U.S., 82% of the population lives within 10 miles of a Goodwill location. So we are, you know, we are really ubiquitous. And that's one of the great things about Goodwill, because even though we have a lot of resources online that you can get centrally, we're very much embedded in local communities and connected with local employers. And we have partnerships with local community colleges. So if you come to us, we have a very kind of connected network locally to help people out. I see here, too. Man, you have a, a resume, uh, administrator of the U.S. Small Business Administration. So you totally understand the entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was the administrator of the SBA. I have to tell you, that was one of the best parts of that job is meeting entrepreneurs and, and listening to their stories about how they invested in their business. I, I always used to say there's, there's way more sweat equity that goes into those businesses than financial equity because entrepreneurs just, you know, they just figure out how to make it happen. It's yeah. the, the backbone of the economy. So, yeah, yeah it was, that was a great role. And I, I, I love spending time with the entrepreneurs across the country. That's no, great. Well, you have a good role now as president and CEO of Goodwill Industries. All right. As people stay at home in response to the COVID-19 outbreak, which, as we know, totally sucks. People are, like me, are cleaning out their closets and looking to donate. Uh, maybe you could talk about that, you know, so people understand more about donating to Goodwill. Yes, yeah, spring cleaning has a whole new definition this year. A right. lot of people are cleaning out their closets. You can drop those off at your local store. We have attended donation sites. So you can just drive up and drop them off. If you go online and just plug in your zip code, you can see all the locations in your area. And generally, you don't even need to get out of your car. We're taking extra precautions to wow. keep uh, donor safe, chopper safe. Just drive up, pop the trunk, and, and you know, in all likelihood, we'll have somebody right there to take them out of your car for you. And those donations are what we use to fund our workforce development activities. So, you know, the value of those stay right in your local communities. Well, as I would say, and I'm going to play a song from Stevie Ray Vaughan, Pride and Joy, some of the things that... I've been hanging on to that are, you know, pieces of clothing that are my pride and joy. Unfortunately, you know, I'm five foot fat now, so I won't, none of them will fit me anymore. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. At some point, you got to set them free to let somebody else own them. All right. Goodwill.org. Steve Preston. Uh, he's making us all aware that they have job openings. And uh, if you're unemployed, check out Goodwill.org. And maybe you have an opportunity with them. It's a fantastic organization. Steve, thank you so much. Appreciate everything you do. Thanks for getting the word out. Absolutely. All right. Again, I have uh, many a times visited my favorite Goodwills and gone on television with what I purchased there. You know, uh, Armani for a dollar. Where are you going to do that? Uh, Ferragamo shoes, 20 bucks. Where are you going to do that? Goodwill. That's where I do it. This is Entrepreneur Weekly. We'll take a little break. And uh, you know what? By the way, I love those pieces of clothing because I didn't overpay for them. Yes! All right, we'll take a break. It's Entrepreneur Weekly. 
Just when you see a man get me, she's my sweet little thing. She's my pride and joy. Can't get enough of Entrepreneur Weekly? Check out our podcast on iTunes for even more content. Subscribe today. Hi, I'm Alan Taylor from Entrepreneur Weekly. Child sexual exploitation is an unimaginable crime that continues to invade our communities and homes. The Maloof Foundation is confronting this crime by providing education, promoting healing, and ensuring justice for survivors. But this cause can't be won alone. Learn how you can join the Maloof Foundation in their efforts to preserve a child's right to freedom, hope, justice, and dignity at MaloofFoundation.org. That's M-A-L-O-U-F Foundation.org. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Well, as an entrepreneur myself, I've got a lot of irons in the fire. One of the things I do, I'm the uh, chairman of the board, president CEO of a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And like many nonprofits, uh, we're forecasting our, you know, our balance sheets and what have you. And we're looking at things and going, wait a minute. Things are trending down just a taste. Uh, so we have to look at Q3 and Q4 and go, all right, well, we got to make some adjustments, right? Because uh, if you're looking at kind of this recession trending point of view that we're, you know, we have to, it's staring us right in the face, then is it a good time to make a capital investment in IT? Well, I happen to be right there. Actually, I started about, oh gosh, I don't know, it's been... I'm going to say almost a year ago that I said, okay, this organization really needs a new website. We need an app. We need to, you know, new uh, hardware and software and, you know, customer service management tools. And I mean, just everything. So a pretty massive investment in IT. And let me tell you, I am a year into this. I'm going to say a good solid year and I am not where I should be. Now, I've hired this guy and that guy and this expert and that expert, and everybody says they're an expert. And then I find out, what are you doing over there? Well, I, this is really not my expertise. I, I'm, I'm learning, having to learn on the go. Well, wait a minute. I'm paying for your education. That doesn't make sense. So uh, I see this guy named Paul Dipple. He's the CEO of Service Leadership, Inc. And on the web, you can find them at service-leadership.com. And I thought this guy may be able to provide some answers, not only for me and what I'm going through, but I think we're all going through this same, uh, you know, kind of crazy, <laughs> perilous world business uh, landscape right now. So Paul Dipple on the line with us. And, uh, you know, I'm looking, Paul, thank you for joining us. I'm looking, you got into the IT thank business. You. Yes. In 1983, you were part of a leadership yeah. team who built four privately held entrepreneurial IT companies, which grew to 130 million, 2 billion, another one for 400 million, and another one for 50 million, respectively, and successfully exited in each. Now, to me, that sounds like you know what you're doing. <laughs> so I'm hoping. <laughs> Praying, Hope actually. So. Yeah, I mean, you heard what I said there. Can we just focus a little bit on me first? But before we do that, sure. 
give us, is there more I need to know about you? And, and, and can you give me the kind of the beginning points of where we should start out with this? Because I think this is for all small, medium and large businesses, an ongoing problem, an ongoing issue, something that we all need to be more aware of as we continue to go more into a digital universe. Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Alan. And, and I appreciate very much being able to talk to, with you and with your audience. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, your experience obviously isn't rare, right? People struggle with their computer systems and some are more successful than others. So let's talk a little bit about that. But before we do, I want to make sure I position what we do most clearly for your audience. We are not any longer computer guys, right? So we obviously spent our career building computer companies. And, and actually, I started out you know, billing my time at 60 bucks an hour way back when. Right. So we are sort of the analogy would be this. We used to be medical doctors, and then we figured out how to run the hospital, and we ran hospitals for a long time, and now we consult to hospitals and help them run better. That's really the analogy. There you go. So it's been a long, long time since I had my fingers on the keyboard and got paid for it. <laughs> um, but what, what, unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, what you have run into is what we call a low operational maturity level IT service provider. When we work with IT companies, we help them assess what we call their operational maturity level, which is the degree to which, objectively, Alan, the degree to which they run their companies like the top performing IT companies or the degree to which they run their companies like the bottom performing ones. And we give them a one to five OML operational maturity level score. We go, hey, Based on the way you responded, dear IT company, to our assessment, you are an OML 2.8 or a 3.2 or a 4.1 or whatever. And as you would guess, the ones that score lower struggle to deliver value to clients. And the ones that are higher in operational maturity level do a much better job of delivering value to clients and not coincidentally the ones that are lower in operational maturity level struggle to grow and struggle to make money and struggle to have the resources to be financially safe as a business and to reinvest and all that. And the ones that are at higher operational maturity level, of course, are the ones that grow the best and make the most money, make, a, make what I consider to be a fair profit for the risk and have the money to reinvest and be safe. So unfortunately, you ran into a low operational maturity level IT service provider. So the first thing that <laughs> right. you should no, not know, Paul. Wait a minute. Not just once. How about like four yeah. times? All right. Do me a favor. Let me take a break. Because yeah. I mean, yeah. look, what we got going on here is, you know, this kind of um, things are changing, and the IT needs are changing mm-hmm. during crisis time, mm-hmm. and so we need somebody like you to mm-hmm. help shine a little bit of a light. Because I think there's so many people that call themselves experts, and then you end up wasting a lot of money. So maybe you can shine a light on how do we find true experts. And then, of course, you know, talking about the crisis we're in. We're talking with Paul Dimple. He is the CEO of Service Leadership Incorporated. Service-leadership.com on the web. We'll be right back. It's Entrepreneur Weekly. I'll get him high, show him what I've got. Stay tuned. There's more Entrepreneur Weekly after these messages. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors. 
every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. My guest today, Paul Dimple, he is the CEO of Service Leadership Incorporated. Service-leadership.com on the web. All right. So we're talking about, you know, well, (laughs) what I'm realizing is my maturity level in IT operational maturity. Uh, you said that IT operational maturity level. Do me a favor, mm-hmm. expand on that. I've never heard of that before. Sure. I think we all recognize that as we move forward in our careers, we get better and better at what we do. Sure. If we uh, you know, apply ourselves and have the motivation. And as we do, we get better and better at creating win-win results for our clients and for ourselves, right? And so in the computer business, it turns out there's a known set of best practices for doing that. The challenge, Alan, is there's no school. This has nothing to do with having a computer science degree or what have you. Similar to, you know, you can have a law degree and be a great attorney, but not be able to build a law firm. Then you may not want to, and that's okay too. But if you do, where do you get the skills to actually build a law firm? Because they don't teach you how to market. They don't teach you how to sell in law school. They don't teach you how to set your pricing. They don't teach you how to negotiate your deals. They don't teach you how to hire and fire other attorneys or manage them or organize the firm. There's no school for that. And the same thing is true in the computer business. People who are good techies and love to do that often will hang out their shingle and start billing time. And before they know it, they got five of their buddies. And if they're good at organizing and selling, maybe they got 20 of their buddies or 50. But there's no school for this. And so that's what we provide. We provide the insight to help them become what we call higher and operational maturity level, which is do things more like the top performers. And that's a set of known best practices. It's just that not enough people do them yet. Right. Well, you know, it's funny. As as a small entrepreneur business, they start their business because they love making, baking, whatever it is they love doing. They love, Mm -hmm. you know, being on a backhoe and, but maybe they're not, you know, their business maturity is not great, but they love what they do. So they get all of a sudden successful and business starts to grow and one backhoe turns into five backhoes and trucks and employees and insurance and all the things that go and and but they've never really and they just keep doing it because they love it. That's right. They've never really like you said gone to school to learn some of these skills. They learn them 
through the school of hard knocks, if it's fair to say. And, right. and I mean, right. so That's exactly it right. seems like your company really is dealing with other IT companies that happen to love IT. So they're geeks in essence, right? The, the tech geeks, yeah. right? Yeah, they are. Yeah. So, which yeah. is great because we can't even survive without them. It's like, you know, Bill Gates, you know, there used to be, you know, a joke about him being a nerd, but you know, he, he's the richest man in the world, you know, <laughs> so yeah. revenge of the nerds, yeah. as they say. But so my guess is, Paul, that business is business. And it's funny because even though these are IT guys, IT people, men and women, they have the same level of either immaturity or maturity that anybody in business does. And your job right, is really right. almost like Professor Paul and your team to bring them up. But it's the same principles for everybody, isn't yeah. it? It's very similar. There are particulars to this business like there are particulars for to any business, others. Yes, but right. it starts with the understanding uh, that revenue is not profit, right? When you first start out, I often joke, Alan, that the way most IT companies start most entrepreneurial IT companies start is the guy lost his job in an IT department, went, oh my God, I got to eat, and started supporting his parents' friends for $30 an hour. And before he knows it, he's got five of his buddies running around town charging 60 bucks an hour for him, and he thinks he's going to be Bill Gates because right. he's never seen so much cash in his entire life. Right. Right? Well, that only goes so far. And then all of a sudden, you realize the hard way, usually, that revenue isn't profit because in between, there's cost. Right. And then when there's cost, there's risk. And so... How do you arrange your labor? Because that's the biggest part of a service, an IT service business's cost is technical labor. How do you arrange that labor in a fair and efficient way with the end customers and charge in a win-win way so that you can afford the risk of having these guys on your team, guys or gals, and put them to work, right? And produce a great outcome. So, you unfortunately ran into one or more low operational material level folks right. in this business yep. who just you know got into things they should have recognized they weren't good at, and maybe that's the way they always do it. And yeah. I would bet that they're relatively small. I bet they're one or two or three or four guys. Because exactly. if you can't right. stake out what you're good at and scale that, you're a generalist forever, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. You don't add much value, and you can't much scale that. So unfortunately, you asked before the break, Alan, you said, how could an entrepreneur spot a better computer company, a, a higher operational maturity level? There's a couple of different ways. You want me to go into that? I would. And I'll tell you what I realize here. Right after this interview, about an hour later, I have a meeting with an IT company <laughs> that I've been using for a number of years. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to pay the price, air quotes, the I price. I don't want to know their name because I probably benchmark them. So you know what? I, God bless you if you do. I know. <laughs> okay. But here's the thing. So what I did was I hired the cheaper person, which ended up costing me a year of business now. And I am back yeah. again to these folks. I've spent a year of time. I've spent a lot of money. And here I am back to square one with going, I better hire a air quotes, but seriously, a professional IT yeah. company, because all these right. guys that say they're going to save you money, they're not going right. to save you money. They may fix your computer and get it going, but when you need a real professional, hire a real yeah. professional. So yeah. go ahead. Yes, yeah, but please yeah. give me, give me about uh, two minutes worth. Yeah. I want to take a break and we'll continue. It's a great question. And it's unfortunate because let me be clear, paying a higher rate doesn't guarantee a professional, no, but for paying sure. a lower rate 
almost always assure you've got somebody who hasn't figured out how to express their value to clients right. and also may not be very busy. And both of those two things you got to watch out for. <laughs> so again, higher rates don't guarantee professionalism, but right. it tells you that you're at least dealing with somebody who can get higher rates in the marketplace, which tells you something, yep. right? Yep. The second thing I'd watch out for is, despite the fact that they may have expertise in the particular thing that you're looking to do, you want to look at how they go about what is often called the discovery or the assessment, because that's really where the problem gets fixed to begin with, is their correct, in-depth understanding of your particular set of problems. And as I say, Alan, they could be experts in the exact right thing, but those experts do what experts do in the medical field. They do what specialist doctors do in the medical field. They go, okay, great. Yeah, probably. But I'm going to ask you 10 questions. I'm going to run four tests. Why am I going to do that? It may just validate what I already know. But if this system is critical enough to you that it has to work this time, it has to be a successful investment, you bloody well want them to ask those questions and run those tests, yeah. right? Yeah. Because yeah. you can't risk it going wrong. The folks who are at high operation maturity level are very thorough with assessment and discovery, and they very frequently will charge you for that. Yep. And you go, now, wait a minute. You're charging me to write a proposal. No, I'm charging you to do a diagnosis and write a prescription and a treatment plan. You can follow that with anybody. Once yes. I hand it to you, you can go execute it with anybody. Yep. I bet you'll execute it with me. But that thing is a billable deliverable in, its, in and of itself. Wow. And it is, Alan, the highest value part of the engagement. Yeah, well, it, why? Because if they get that wrong, you're not going to get what you want. Right, and, so and it's the foundation. The part of the engagement. It's the foundation of the relationship. It's gonna, it's gonna carry everything else. All right, hang Bingo. tight. Yep. Paul Dipple is the CEO of Service Leadership Incorporated. We're talking about IT and how low my IT operational maturity is. <laughs> Sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody has their strengths, Paul. Uh, we'll take a little break. Yeah, sure. yeah, this is Entrepreneur Weekly. We'll be right back with more. Hi, it's Alan Taylor from Entrepreneur Weekly. Child sexual exploitation is an unimaginable crime that continues to invade our communities and homes. The National Children's Alliance reports that almost 700,000 children are abused in the U.S. each year, with 65% of child abuse cases involving sexual exploitation. The Maloof Foundation exists to confront this crime by providing education, promoting healing, and ensuring justice for survivors. But making a difference can't be done alone. To create the greatest impact, they're going to need your help and mine. Do like I did and join the Maloof Foundation in their efforts to confront child sexual exploitation and learn how you can preserve a child's right to freedom, hope, justice, and dignity. I just want to repeat this one last time. The National Children's Alliance reports almost 700,000 children are abused in the U.S. each year. You can help. Let's do it together at MaloofFoundation.org. That's M-A-L-O-U-F foundation.org. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. That crazy noise at the beginning of that song is what it sounds like when my IT guy talks to me and is trying to explain why he has not been able to fix the damn problem yet. 
Anyway, we're not talking about the IT guy. We're talking about if you own an IT company, um, then you may have heard of this guy, Paul Dipple, President CEO, Service Leadership Incorporated, service-leadership.com on the web. If not, we're trying to learn and understand a little bit about this, what he calls IT operational maturity level. But Paul, I have a question for you to change, uh, just to change direction a moment. We're in a crisis time right now, and you deal with IT companies and a lot of them up to a billion dollars, you were saying during the commercial break. What are your clients, these IT companies, what kind of needs are changing during this crisis time? Just curious. Yeah, that's a great question. They're really coping with two different things. They're coping with their clients' changing needs, right? The small businesses, medium businesses, they support their changing needs. And I could talk about that. But they're also dealing with changes inside their company that are a result either of the clients changing or of the economy changing. So their customers change right away. And that is that everybody went into work from home mode. So, right. so any of their customers that required customers to visit them, restaurants, dentists, you know, you go down the list, those businesses more or less shut down. So our clients, the IT companies, the 40,000 IT companies in the country, obviously that meant a great diminishment of revenue from those types of clients, which obviously these 40,000 IT companies are struggling with that decline of revenue. But secondarily, they then helped their customers in a very rapid fashion, and, and I would say almost frontline heroic, shifted hundreds of thousands or millions of employees of their customers to work from home in very short order, in weeks. And it really was an impressive full-scale effort. You know, there were at our end, as you know, many heroic things going on right now and, and many people putting their lives literally online. But their scaled efforts to save this country's productivity, and this is one of them. These guys really put their shoulder in the wheel, so it chokes me up a bit. But anyway... So they've undergone a lot of change to help their customers work from home and be protected, for, you know, cybersecurity-wise and all that kind of stuff. Meanwhile, what are they dealing with internally? Well, we're helping a whole lot of them reforecast their income statement for the year, and it looks like the average is reforecasting about 20% less revenue than what they had budgeted for, Q2, Q3, Q4, Alan. And that puts them in a full year 2020, probably about 5% below 2019 in revenue. So they are facing that degree of tough time. And I'm not sure they're reading the fourth quarter correctly. I think they're reading the fourth quarter pretty optimistically, and I'm not as optimistic about it. Unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong. So they're dealing with less revenue. And so what do you got to do? Well, you could take your PPP money and spend it, and hopefully you spend it right so you get it forgiven. But the best practice for recession management in the IT computer company business is cut costs in the face of reduced revenue so that you are profitable every month. Do not have negative cash flow months. And why is that? Well, this is, presuming I survive, Alan, I suspect I will, this will have been the fifth recession that I've been through in this business. Wow. And over and over again, what you see is the guys that do the best, the guys that end up, if I may, laying off the fewest employees in this business and accelerating the fastest are the guys that take the hardest medicine up front. They're the ones who reduce costs so that they never have a negative month. And then their positive cash flow, and they can last as long as this bloody recession might last, and they can rebound quickly. Right. Unfortunately, the guys who 
go, well, you know, I'm, look, every entrepreneur I know is loyal to their people and loyal to their customers. But the guys who go, you know, I'm going to hang on to my people and use cash to cover my losses. Unfortunately, they end up losing more people. Well, and maybe even and losing even, their their yeah. whole entire business. Hold on a second. We'll take a break. Um, do the hard work. Make the hard decisions because it is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Paul Dipple about maybe how we should reevaluate or evaluate for the first time our current and potential IT providers. This is Entrepreneur Weekly. Need a mentor? One-on-one online sessions with Entrepreneur Magazine's experts can help you start a business, grow your business, build your brand, fundraise, and more. Book your one-on-one session with experienced business owners and media experts. Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, can help you perfect your business pitch to media. Businesswoman Kathleen Griffith, founder of Grayson Company, can help improve your growth and marketing strategies. Need guidance on improving your leadership skills? Elizabeth Gore, president of Alice, can help you become a strong, value-driven leader. So what are you waiting for? Book your one-on-one session with Entrepreneur's lineup of experts today. Visit entrepreneur.com slash mentors. Again, that's entrepreneur.com slash mentors. Well, this is Entrepreneur Weekly. Last segment, Paul Dipples on the line, CEO, Service Leadership Incorporated. His clients are IT companies. So we are literally talking to the professor. I mean, he is, he, he, actually, he's the guy that teaches the professors. Uh, IT, man. IT, my maturity, my IT maturity level is like third grade. Because uh, I mean, when, mm-hmm. when you're talking, you're talking at such a mature level that it it it's mm. it's scary to me because I I can see all the mistakes that I've made, and I'm coming back now to a real pro. Here's what I did. I I started. I mean, we went on this in, insane search for a really good IT company, and you know what happened? I got to tell you, what happened is that everybody we talked to, we told them what we needed, and they said, "Oh, you need this company." And it was the company we had originally started using and thought, oh, they're too expensive. <laughs> we were right to begin with. We just doubted ourselves because yeah. we don't know. We're immature in the, in the IT world. I mean, I you know, operate a backhoe. I make muffins. I have a coffee business. Right. So what do you say to people when it's time to reevaluate their current IT provider? So now you're talking to my mm-hmm. entrepreneur audience. You know, it's a great question, Alan. As you mentioned, we benchmark lots and lots of IT companies around the world, and, and of course, most of those in the U.S., and some are stronger than others financially. And that isn't necessarily related to size. You could find a 10-person IT firm who's very solid financially, and you can find a 500-person IT firm that's on the edge. So what you want to do when you're looking for an IT partner is, first of all, size like size, Right. If you're a million-dollar company, don't go looking for a $50 million IT company or a $500 million one because likely you're not going to be that important to them, even if they say yes. 
Yeah. On the other hand, if you're a $50 million firm, you don't want to rely on three guys with ponytails. Excuse me. We used to have one a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, we and, all did. <laughs> uh, and, you know, a dog and a truck. So unless they're really, really, really specialists and, and charge an incredibly high rate. So, you know, size like size. Find somebody that fits your scale and can grow with you. Second thing is ask them how they're doing and gauge their answer. Of course, they're probably going to go, well, we're doing fine in this situation. But read between the lines. Look at how they answer the question. The third thing is look at what kind of relationship that they want to get into with you. If it's, you know, we bill this much by the hour and we'll bill you every month, whatever hours we work and so on. These are folks that are able to offer kind of a tactical relationship, not a lot of commitment. What you want to look for, in my opinion, if you have IT needs that are critical to keeping your business running, if revenue and customer service and employee productivity in your company depend on your computer systems, you want somebody that will get into a strategic relationship with you, and that isn't going to be cheap, and it isn't going to be occasional, because that's not the way computer systems thrive. That's not the way they stay safe. And that's not the way they say productive. So you want somebody, and again, it doesn't, it's not about their size. It's about the relationship they want to get into. Right. And you want them to come to you and go, here's the support plan. Here's your technology roadmap for what you need to be investing on a capital investment side on IT in the next three years. And I'm helping you plan your budget now. So it's not a surprise. And then each month, here's what the support costs are and what we're going to do for you proactively and how we're going to respond to you. That's what you do when you have computer systems that your business relies on. It's not a dating relationship. It's a marriage relationship. Yeah. Well, no, right there, you just said it. It really is a marriage relationship because the IT for companies today literally is the heartbeat. It's the soul. It, it's even deeper. It's the soul mm -hmm. of the business. Well, I take it back. Your soul, your human soul it's the is the soul. nervous system. There you go. The nervous yeah, it's system. The nervous it's system. so important. Yeah. So listen, you have been really helpful. Yep. I, I really appreciate you giving no, at least you. me some clarity here. Um, clear thinking when I'm dealing with these people. I got to use all my senses because... My IT operational yeah. maturity level I, that I understand you have, you have trademarked, which is brilliant. <laughs> it's it's so we, low. Did we did we increment you up a couple tenths on the IT almost? You scale? did. Um, I just did went from see? third grade to fifth. I skipped a class. I love All it. All right. All right. Paul Dipple, you're it's the best man. Thank you very much. I I'm going in literally going into my meeting with my new IT company that I should have stuck with from the beginning because you know what my gut told me in the very beginning these were the right people but then my doggone cheap side got the best of me Paul yeah <laughs> oh, I hate well. that I hate that too uh, service-leadership.com if you want more info from Paul Dipple thank you Paul thank you sir appreciate it you and your audience have Thank a good you. one. Stay safe. Appreciate that. Listen, be an entrepreneur, not easy. So you need mm -mm. you need good advice. And that's what we offer right here on Entrepreneur Weekly and Entrepreneur Magazine. We'll see you next week on Entrepreneur Weekly. This program is copyrighted by Entrepreneur Media Incorporated.